Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, we're in the part seven of a series we've just simply called Roller Coaster. And this has been an in-depth look at the life of Joseph. And so Joseph out of Genesis, not Joseph out of the Gospels. And the Genesis, the last 14 chapters of Genesis, really dig down into a, a part of Joseph's life, a, a period uh, of time in his life there from when he's about 17 years old till he's, in his, till he's in his 40s. And that his life was a roller coaster. Now the truth is all of our lives are roller coasters, and that's why so many of us can identify with this. And we've been simply looking at the ups and the downs and taking some taking some tips on how we can begin to trust God during our own roller coaster experience. And we keep coming back to this concept that, that joy in life is not about embracing the ups and avoiding the downs. Most of us want to do that. We want to hang on to the up moments and avoid all the down moments. But j- true joy in life is about knowing, knowing that no matter what life throws at us, that God is going to be with us in it, that God is going to be able to be with us and he's going to carry us forward. And that's what real joy in life is. So many times we think that joy is if the roller coaster would just stop. No, it's, it is understanding that God's with us and he's going to carry us forward no matter what. We keep looking at Romans 15, 13. <coughs> Since at Celebration Church, we're about helping people to know God better and trust him more then this is a vital, vital piece of that we, uh, as a pastor, I really want you to grab a hold of. And Paul writes to the believers in Rome and says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. It's as we trust in him. It's as we begin to connect with him and lean into him and draw near to him trusting him that that's when the joy and peace comes so many times we want it the other way around we want the joy and peace to come and now i can trust now everything's everything's good and it's not the way it works it's as we trust in as we trust in god then and only then do we begin to see the joy and the peace come in as we're trusting in him and it says he goes on to say so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the holy spirit That he doesn't want just us to personally experience this joy and peace. But he wants us to overflow with hope so that it begins to become contagious. That everyone we get around all of a sudden begins to see the hope. We've all seen that person in life that that they're just going through it. But the joy and the peace that's on them is so encouraging. You're like, man, if I was dealing what they were dealing with, I'd be in a in the corner sucking my thumb mumbling something to myself over and over again I'd be just completely shot I'd be a wreck but yet here they are going through this mess and man there's such a place of joy and peace that it's inspirational all of a sudden it begins to to get other people connected now as we're doing this one of our major setbacks to being able to trust God is this place whenever we have these experiences begin to build and create a case that maybe, maybe we don't need to be walking this out like that. That, man, I've tried this before and it didn't work. 
I've done this and it didn't work. And all of a sudden now we begin to have a harder time trusting. Now as we've done this, I've, we, the Clarks, we've got a lot, of, a lot of roller coaster stories. And so, but I only have one roller coaster story on Cutie. I only have one roller coaster story on her. And so, because she's only, as long as we've been married, she's only rode a roller coaster with me one time. And she'll never do it again. And, um, and this was one of those things that when she was little, she did the whole Six Flags thing with her mom. And she was probably got on the, the roller coaster there just a little too soon. She probably just barely hit the height requirement on it, got on it. And if I remember right, I know the one that we experienced was... The, the runaway mine train in, in Dallas. And I think that was one you were on with your mom. So it's the same roller coaster. Well, she's riding it. It's just got the little lap thing. And it's just a normal up and down. No loops, no crazy stuff. It's just an up and down, twist and turn, standard roller coaster. And, uh, but Cutie was a little small to do that. And on one of those turns, she starts sliding out as a child. She starts sliding out from under the bar. And starts sliding like she feels like she's going to like shoot out of the car and end up off the roller coaster and get thrown off of it. Well, <clears throat> in the middle of that, she gets finally makes it. She doesn't get thrown off. And she's like, I'm done with that. I am not riding roller coasters ever again. And so she marries me and I like to ride them. And then our kids like to ride them. And so finally I talked her into it. I was like, babe, you, you were a kid, Okay. You need to try this again. You need to do this again. But we made the mistake of doing it that it was one of Lulu's first times to ride. And Lulu was about that same age that Cutie was. So Cutie sits in front of me on the same roller coaster, runaway mine train. Lulu sits right there. I've got some, one of our other 20 children sitting with us. <laughs> and so I don't, I don't remember which kid I was riding with. And, um, and so... Uh, we've got one of, our, one of our other kids with us, and um, so I'm just totally focused on Cutie, and she's like, all right, I'm trusting. I'm like, babe, this is, this is an easy one. It's real easy. No problems. No big deals. So we go around, and sure enough, you do that. And she turns around and looks at me. I thought you said this was easy. I said, it is. It is. It is. This is no problems. So we go to the top, and you have a nice little drop. And she turns around and she gives me that, that angry wife look. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this was a bad idea. And she is sitting there and she just keeps shooting that look at me. Well then, sure enough, a couple of things go around. Well then, Lulu starts to slide out of the bar. And she starts to come out of it. And then Cutie's really freaking out. So she grabs a hold of Lulu's arm and she's shooting daggers at me. And is like, Brent, I can't believe I did this. I am never, ever, ever doing this again. And so you have this place where these one negative experience builds with another negative experience. And you finally are just like, you know what? I, I can't deal with this anymore. Maybe some of you are here and, and you're here in a, in a non-denominational church and, and coming in and checking out church uh, maybe for the first time in a long time. Maybe you're one of those that you got, it, you got on the whole church thing before and it went sideways and it ended up really rough for you. 
and then you tried it again, and it, it ended up really rough for you. And, and we understand, and we take it super seriously that, that some of you are you're giving church one last try with us. And we're just here to tell you, man, God is faithful. God is faithful. People will mess up. People will fail. But God is faithful. And so as we begin to look and, and <clears throat> step into this, these concepts about pursuing God and trusting Him and being filled as we trust in God. What we're going to have to do is we're going to have to let go of our, those, those previous things that we've tried to walk in. We call, them, <clears throat> we call it baggage, and let's just let go of it. Let's just set it down. And let's walk in here with a fresh idea and a, a fresh experience and let God show Himself faithful to us. See, if we remember... Joseph ends up in this place of captivity where he ends up being sold as a slave and then he ends up thrown in jail and where we're at in the story right now, he's in jail. And this all starts because he has a dream. He has a dream that he believes is a dream with a message from God in it, that it is, that it is a place that is supposed to be encouraging and exciting. And as he embraces that, that dream and he begins to share it, with his father and his brothers, all of a sudden this turns sideways fast for him. Something that he thought was encouraging, something that he thought was exciting, something that he saw something wonderful in, everybody else saw something completely different. And he ends up getting <coughs> sold into slavery, he, his brothers almost kill him, and things just continue, continue to go sideways. And it all started with a dream. Now I want us <clears throat> to hold that in mind, but let's keep this thought in mind as we move forward. That the best help that you can give others is letting God express himself through you. That's how God wants to minister, is through people. I know it doesn't make a lot of sense. You'd think God would want to use something that was a little less fallible, a little less messed up. Than you and I, but God has chosen to express Himself through His people, through us. Now let's look at Genesis 40, <coughs> verses 4 through 8. It says, The captain of the guard assigned them, this is these, these two specific prisoners, um, to Joseph, and he attended them. After, he had been in, after they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected, and he asked the Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? And they said, we both had dreams, they answered, but there's no one to interpret them. And then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. Here's a place that, that Joseph could have run off screaming. Said, you know what? The first time I got on this roller coaster, man, this thing threw me for a loop. That I've ended up, I don't want anything to do with dreams. Dreams don't have any meaning. Obviously, dreams are worthless. And if dreams do have meaning, I'm not the one who can get any kind of interpretation out of it because I never dreamed that my dream would send me here. 
That could have been his natural response. But here was what Joseph did that you and I are going to have to do. When we find ourselves in a place where there's someone to minister to, we don't rely on ourselves. He understood. He says, do not interpretations belong to God? God is the one who can interpret it. Now tell me your dream. At the same time, he knew that God alone was the one who could interpret it, but he dared to believe that God would move through him. Even after things went sideways, even after things were a mess, he's in jail. And he's like, tell me your dream. God alone is the one who can interpret. Tell me your dream. This is absolutely amazing to me. Amazing to me that he was willing to step out like that. That he was willing to believe that he could get a hold of and can be a part of God's interpretation of a dream. Because things had not worked out for him very well at all. But what he understood was is that even though he was limited, God was not. God was not limited. He may have, he may have made a mistake here or there. He may have done it, but God was not limited. God was the one who was going to carry him through. This reminds me of the early uh, disciples here in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. We catch up with Peter and John. Let's go ahead and turn there. Acts chapter 3 says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. This guy had been sitting there outside of the house of God every day. Every day. He'd been sitting there in his crippled form every day. And all he wanted was people to give him a little bit of money so that he could take care of his needs. He just needed a little bit of money. These people were going into the temple. They were going to go worship. This guy had to stay out because of the old Jewish laws that he could not enter in, being <coughs> having these defects. And he stays outside. And every day, you talk about this place of one thing building on top of another, one negative thing building on top of another. This guy had it every day. Not just one day went south. Every day he goes in and he's there before the, the, the throne room of God. He's there before the place where the, the people of Israel worship. And he begs. And then when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. That was what he was there to do. He was just asking them for money. He gets put there to get his daily sustenance, and he asks for money. It says that Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. Now, normally you would think that the guy was already looking at him. But obviously, this guy had just got into such a place of routine that just when he would hear some footsteps... He would just sit there, just hold his little <clears throat> container up and just ask for money. 
never make eye contact, never looking at anybody, just keeping his head down. And he's just sitting there. Here's the people come by. Please give me some money. Can you spare some change? And Peter and John stop. And they look at him and they ask him to look at them. And so this guy, all of a sudden, this is something's different here. Most people don't want the eye contact. Most people don't want that. You ever be sitting at a red light and feel somebody looking at you? It's just weird. And you're sitting there and you're sitting there holding your steering wheel and you know they're looking at you and you're like, man, this better be somebody I know. <coughs> and then you sit there and you kind of glance over and you look and then, you know, typically it's somebody you know. And they're waving at you every once in a while. It's somebody that you're like, oh my goodness, call the cops. I got a creeper. But the eye contact, the eye contact, all of a sudden, it, it, it makes the engagement. It takes it to a deeper level. And Peter wanted that guy to look them in the eyes and to see that they care, to see that he mattered and said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. He's thinking, man, they're about to really lay a big gift on me here. They want me to make sure and see who it is that's about to give me this big old wad of money. It's going to take care of me for a little while. He's thinking they, they're about to give me something here. And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. See, what the guy wanted was just enough to get through the day, but what God wanted to do was to completely change his life, completely change his every day, where he's not drug out there and sit outside of a gate so he can beg. He wants to restore him 100% so he can live the life he was called to live. And here are Peter and John saying, you know what, we don't have resources. We don't have the silver and the gold you're looking for, but we've got something. We've got Jesus, and Jesus can change your life forever. All of a sudden, they begin to, to minister, not out of what they, <clears throat> being concerned about what they didn't have. They ministered out of what they did have. So many times, we get stuck in thinking there's not much that we can do. We look at our own limitations. We look at our own setbacks. We look at our, our own situation. Why in the world would these guys even listen to Joseph he's in jail like they are like you know what won't you call somebody from the outside who's not in jail let's get them to understand our dreams and interpret our dreams but Joseph's like you know what God is the one who understands this stuff God is the one who can do this tell me your dream folks I'm telling you so many of us as believers we have just we have stayed quiet and timid for too long. God has placed his treasure in you, an earthen vessel. And you know what? You don't have to have the answers to everything. I don't have the answers to everything. I get asked questions on a regular basis that I get stumped on. And I go, you know what? I'll have to get back to you. I'm going to have to study this out. But you know what I do know? I do know that Jesus Christ came 
and he died and he was resurrected and that that changes everything. I know what my life is because of who he is in me. I know what, what I've seen him do for others. And you know what? I can simply minister out of that. I love it that as we see over and over again, each person as they, as they come to Christ, whether it was Paul or Peter or any of these different guys, they immediately they begin to share what, they, what little they had experienced. And God used it. We don't all have to have theological degrees. We don't all have to have all the answers. We simply have to be willing to share what God has done in our lives. And if we'll do that, it'll change everything. Verse 7, it says, Taking him by the right hand, they helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk, and then he went with him into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Here he was, he'd been on the outside of the temple all this time. Now he's made fully whole, and he walks right in. He gets to go in with him. Maybe we keep reading the story, and it causes a stink. There are a bunch of religious people that got upset that this dude gets healed, and that all, all of this stuff that goes on. But this guy, <clears throat> his life was forever changed. Not because of what some Christians gave that they felt like they had yeah, I, I, can, I can write you a fat check. I can do this. They said, you know what? We're not going to look at our limits. We're going to look at what we do have. And we have a connection with Jesus of Nazareth. And that changes everything. The greatest thing we can do for anybody, the greatest help, is to let God show himself through you. That's the greatest thing you can do. Now, the next thing we want to take away from this <clears throat> From Joseph's story, is that others may forget the love and kindness that you show, but God doesn't forget. One of the most frustrating things about stepping out and choosing to live a Christ-like life is that so many times we begin to do things, we begin to, to, to be to generous, forgiving, loving, all these different things, and, and people just will take advantage of you. That's just the truth. But we're not doing it to try to get an advantage over someone. So it's okay that that, that, that takes place. It, our, our flesh doesn't like it. Those things don't like it. But we're not doing it to try to get leverage on someone. We're not being nice and forgiving and generous and all these things to try to get leverage over someone. We're doing it from a place of just the heart and the love of God. See, sometimes it seems like all you do to help others and then all of a sudden, nobody's, nobody's there for you. And this is Joseph's story. Joseph was faithful to his father and made his brothers mad. Joseph was faithful to Potiphar. And even though Potiphar's wife lied about him, all, all the history that he had had, he had been so faithful. And it still blew up in his face. Now he's here in the jail. He's been faithful in the jail. He ends up running the jail and he's here with <clears throat> these two guys ministering to these guys who are in the jail. Let's pick up on his story in verse 9. It says, so the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. And he said to him, in my dream I saw a vine in front of me. And on the vine were three branches. As soon as it was budded, it blossomed and its clusters ripened into grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, and I squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said. 
The three branches are three days. And within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. And you will be put, <clears throat> and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from, this land, from the land of the Hebrews. <clears throat> and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in this dungeon. It's like here is what your dream means. And you're going to be back in Pharaoh's presence. Tell him about me. Tell him that I've been put here wrong. Let him give a Pharaoh's pardon and get me out of this prison. Help him to get me out of here. But then we jump down to verse 20. It says, now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday and he gave a feast for all his officials and he lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that once again he put the cup into Pharaoh's hands, but he impaled um, or beheaded the chief baker, just as Joseph's dream had said to him in his interpretation. And the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. So here Joseph steps out, dares to believe that God can minister through him, does minister to this guy, <clears throat> and, God, and God does exactly what the interpretation was, and then Joseph gets forgotten. He just stays right where he is. See, folks, so many times it can feel like doing the right thing just, it just keeps you stuck. Sometimes it's like, you know what, I, I, just keep, I just keep doing the right thing, and I just keep being stuck. I want to tell you, Joseph's story doesn't end here. And this isn't the last dream that Joseph gets confronted with. Next week, we're going to see that all of a sudden things turn around really quick. In a, in a moment, things turn around for Joseph. But Joseph was faithful all the way through. Even when things didn't seem like they were going right, even when things didn't seem like they were working out the way he wanted them to work out, he was faithful. He was faithful. See, Hebrews 6.10 says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. God is the one you're ministering to. Whenever we are showing the love of God to others, we're ministering to God. We're ministering to Him. He said, <clears throat> Let's look at Matthew 25. Matthew 25, 37 says, And then the righteous will answer Him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothes you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. When we are agents of God's love to others. See, Jesus said the whole the whole of the Bible could be boiled down to love God and love others. 
when we are agents of God's love in other people's lives, we are loving God the best way we possibly can. That is the best way we possibly can love him. See, this morning, folks, our bottom line is showing God's love <clears throat> to others is showing love to God. That's the way this works. When we show God's love to others, we're showing love to God. It is this one big, beautiful symmetry. Romans eleven thirty six says, "For <clears throat> from Him and through Him and for Him are all things. To Him be glory forever." See, that is what God created us for. God is love, and He wanted to share and express that love. So He created humanity. And then we cut him off and we said, you know what? We don't need that. We don't need your love. We don't need you in our lives. We can kind of handle things on our own. And we went our own way. And the fruit of us going our own way was destruction and death. And God intervened and came in through the person of Jesus Christ. And he came in and sent Jesus. And Jesus lived and he showed us who Papa God truly is and he showed us the father and jesus lived in among us and taught us and pointed us to the father and through his death burial and resurrection god was in christ reconciling you and i to him so that all of our willfulness and all of our sin and all that mess is dealt with and taken care of so that we can have this beautiful love relationship that we were called to have the whole time. It's the love of God shown to us that we, that's the real love we get to show to others. And then as that beautiful, as we do that, then that's showing love back to the Father. It is this beautiful cycle of love and love and love. That is what we're called to. Religion will get you trapped in this place of work and do and all of these different things. But the heart of God is simply wants us to love. That is what he wants for us. That is what he wants. And he made it available to us because of what he did in Christ. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.